This podcast features discussions about finance and money, which are general in nature. This means that it has been prepared without taking into account your specific objectives and financial needs. We suggest that before acting on this information, you seek out professional advice. Hey folks, welcome along to another episode of the Money Mechanics Podcast where we are unpacking the money stuff. Today we're going to go on a slightly different journey. We often do this in the realm of money. It is often connected into many different things and different facets and layers of our our life and being. But I'm excited today to be joined by Dr. Anna Carr who, Anna, I, I don't know what to say you're you do you, you you do a lot of amazing things but i guess you're a coach facilitator you help with transforming organizations and and people welcome along and i'll, I'll let you do a little bit of a, an intro to yourself anyway oh thanks scott yes this morning i'm also a zumba instructor and i have the privilege of going up to my class to teach so yes it's good to have a variety of different sort of personas that you occupy just perfectly and with great pleasure and ease in every single one of them and I love that it's kind of like the being of service too so I'm a coach and a facilitator and I love working with teams and individuals who are interested in going beyond themselves and beyond who they know their organization to be or interested in development and effectiveness moving things forward in life. The reason I've invited Anna along today is we were having a really interesting chat around our human biases and behaviours. And so I really wanted to unpack around where some of these things might come from, but also, I guess, just give people some some tools and considerations, both when it comes to the money stuff, but also more broadly in day-to-day life. So um, it's going to be a, a fun chat, I imagine, Anna, which will be great. Yes, it's, it's, it is definitely going to be fun because we are here (laughs) and we choose to have fun so that's the first thing to say in terms of biases and behaviors you know that's a really interesting one because I would not for the life of me describe myself as a psychologist but more as an ontologist someone who is interested in being I am interested in how ontology relates to money how you are being and how it relates to money that's where you come in and that's where we met actually wasn't it we met as i met as one of your clients that was perfect yeah, i went away happy. <laughs> and that look that that makes me again I'm, i often feel inspired by what my clients are able to create and and do in in life so that's fantastic and and we've been asking all our guests uh, before we jump into the episode about sharing just an early happy money memory. Now, we often say that there's, there's obviously happy and sad and good and bad and all the, the others in between memories when it comes to money. But have you got a, a happy or a joyful memory that you recall around money that you're happy to share? Yes, I've thought of this. I was about seven and I would have been one of those little kids with plats who would have come in with her parents to a, a, a barbecue, a, a PNC fundraiser. I grew up in the Northern Wheatbelt in Western Australia, which was an absolute profound privilege. I didn't always see it that way. So I was at this barbecue fundraiser in which there was a game of two-up, basically. It was called odds and evens, but the parents were encouraged to 
gamble essentially on the outcome of this game and then whatever the earnings whatever the winnings were were donated to the parents and citizens club and the school and this is a tiny community so my father gave me 10 cents and I thought I was absolutely you know this was an extraordinary gift because money was never anything I'd have anything to do with but I remember playing this game where you had to guess whether it was odds or evens. And then the first time I was right. And so I guessed and I got 20 cents. And then I got more and more and more until in the end, like I had a dollar eighty, which was like phenomenal wealth for me. Just extraordinary because I just went on this sort of luck streak of winning. And then predictably the luck streak ran out and I started losing and I lost. I don't think of it either as happy or sad. I actually think of it as really Mm. interesting. And I just lost the same amount bit by bit and I stopped when I got to 20 cents. (laughs) So I still doubled my money, but I went away happy. So this is a terrible thing to say, but I just learned that you just were lucky. Money was just luck. It wasn't anything to do with Mm. skill. It was just luck. But it was a little bit like having, you know, your eyes shut and your your fingers crossed and you had no relationship with money at all, really. It was just illusion. But I did keep my eyes on the ground for a long time after that and I would find money on the ground and thought that I was still a lucky person. So I ended up with this image of me being lucky, which actually is not a bad thing. It's just I don't gamble and I don't rely on, on it in my life. So... What did you do with the 20 cents? Do you remember? Or you- No, I would have gone in the, the China piggy bank, which was not very, you know, we, we lived remotely, as I said, and so there was no, hmm. there, was, there was one shop in our tiny town, one shop, one post office, one school, one pub. That was pretty much it. And so money wasn't ever something I saw. It wasn't in my life. But, yeah, the awareness that I gained about its importance grew, especially in early teenage, you know, early high school. That's when it really came to, like, oh, well, how do you get it? Because clearly other people have it. Look, thanks for sharing that, Anna. And I guess in the the context of our our conversation today, we all have those learnt experiences when it comes to money. And look, some of them have a a massive impact on our our then future behaviour and and maybe how we bias things and and think about money. But I guess from the the work you do, the you describe yourself as a not a psychologist but an ontologist. Uh, What exactly is that? I'm an ontological coach. Ontology is really the study of being. In the study of being, what has your work found or what what do you see, especially in the space of of money and and behaviour and and biases that we pick up along the way? And I guess where where does it come from? Yeah, great. That's a great question. I think that the biases, as you say, are for me sort of early perceptions that we form. So, and I I use a phrase which is um, not mine, the web of perceptions which is like where you get your ideas from about money, for example. And that was an early story, so it sort of stuck with me that money can be both lucky and unlucky. And it's not the money itself that provides you with things, it's your relationship with the money. So I became very clear that being authentic about, about it was useful. And what I mean by that is like, 
as a young person and even, you know, into my teens and 20s, you had to sort of basically do things to get money and then you'd have money and then you could be whatever way you like. You know, you could go on trips or have holidays or buy a car or whatever it was. And that was sort of the the classic sort of line of reasoning that I think I grew up in, you know, as a cultural and still is. It's like how you, how you relate to your life. But over time, I've learned to turn that on its head and really investigate what is it and how am I being and then from that how how do I get to do things and what decisions I make what actions I take and then from that come the accomplishments and the havings that come with whatever you've chosen it reminds me of the of your George Kinder podcast that I listened to avidly and really loved how money can be a prison perhaps for some if you think that it's the main game, it's the thing that you do, you need, you have. But I, I like the the underlying philosophy of, no, no, you have one life. Let, let's have a look at that. And that's what I have the privilege of doing with, with my clients. It's very much a means to an end, the, the money stuff. And I, I do like that you're, you're talking around the, the the being energy. And I don't know where I heard it from many years ago now, but we often get caught up in the human doing energy. And so uh, they are very different energies when it comes to what is sometimes required when uh, when we're either going through change or just uh, going through life and, and process. So for, for people wanting to get a bit better handle or understanding of what some of their existing biases or behaviours might be, be it with money, be it with, with other elements. Have you got any sort of resources or tools or things that, that you suggest that people can do in that space? People who are in transition, if you are committed to a relationship with something on the other side of where you're transitioning from, I think it's important to make a clean break, as it were, so to find out what you're taking with you and what you want to leave behind. If you were someone who, like when I first saw you, is thinking about retiring, and I don't even use that word actually. but It is very loaded, isn't it? In fact, it wasn't an, an R for retirement that I was having a look at at the time, but people who are in transition, who are interested in what's next, what is it that can be not necessarily achieved, but how can people be with the rest of their life? That is a good place to start an inquiry. So I, I would ask very basic questions as a first step is what's working with you what what do you love and what i think you ask many of the same questions in some ways it's like what do you you know derive great fulfillment from and, and many people may not know the answer to that but it's much easier to ask the other question is what don't you like what are you not happy with like what's going on with you that's not working and we get a long list and that's perfect that's where i start <laughs> I love those two questions. They're really good just to to sit with and think, okay, well, yeah, what 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 do I like or what's what's going well? What what are the outcomes that I want to achieve? Where where am I moving to? And again, transition could be anything. It could be redundancy, it could be retirement, it could be new relationship, it could be end of a relationship, it could be death, it could be all those sort of things that are spurring it. And so I guess if we look at those biases and I don't often like to say the the good and the bad but if there's things there that are tripping people up what suggestions have you got in that space Anna just to help guide through any of those elements or processes I think one of the things that 
you know, the relationships that we have with the thing itself. That's where that's where I like to look first. And I, the R word that I really, really enjoy is real. <laughs> Let's get real about this because it's so, it's too often like that child, the seven year old with the with the eyes shut and the fingers crossed. And we go, oh, yeah, I, I wish it was going to be this way or I'm, it, I'm assuming that it might be that way. You may think of, oh, it's on the other side and think of it like, yeah, I'll be able to play golf or I'll be able to, you know, shut down that part of my life or I'll be able to, you know, buy a, a mansion and then live there happily ever after. But it often, wherever we have been, might follow us, in fact, inside that mansion or inside that golf club they'll be the same person we were unless we really have a look at what we're leaving behind that what we're completing in our life or what we don't need anymore so I, I like to ask some questions of teams and individuals because after all a team is only a collection of an individuals a society is a collection of teams and communities so I start with awareness and that can that can take a lot of different ways to, to have a think about. It might include people who are visionary and have a real clear sense of what it is that they want to to achieve in a life that goes beyond their own life. It might not. The idea of what we're what perceptions that are holding us back, which if we were to move out from the circle of, you know, here's here's our unique being in the middle, imagine a something that looks like a target, like a dartboard, and in the very middle of it we've got a, a unique being and around it is, is how we express ourselves through our moods, our emotions. And then if we continue to grow and, and go out, we've still got ways that we are being that are internal to us in our experience and our lifespan, a conception of who we are and how we are. And beyond that we've got things that people can see how you can see when people are being confident. You can see when people are being resourceful. You know, growing up in the country, I learned mm. to be very resourceful and was excellent. <laughs> Beyond that, however, is the, the actions we take and the decisions we make. And, again, it's the link between how we are being and then what we do with that that gives us perhaps the things that we desire, which we may not even recognise we want, like fulfilment, purpose, meaning things that are eclectic or difficult to fathom. Mm. And if, if someone was going through a transition and you're, you're working with them as a, as a client and they could be, I don't know, a few years out from retirement and you ask them about the, the things that fulfil them or what doesn't fulfil them, what, what happens after that, that process? Typically, I might have an initial very short conversation with people. No, what's working for you, what's not working for you? And then after that, I will say, well, there's a possibility here of looking at something that I didn't design, unfortunately, but there's a company that I work with who designed it called The Being Profile, which gives access to mm. our relationship with how we're being. And so if there's things that people are declaring that they want for themselves, and I work with young you know, single parents who want their relationship with their children to be the most paramount thing in their, in their world, or with people who are developing the pinnacle of their career and have, have got somewhere and they're like, what's next for me? Where can I go with this? If you've got a question like that and you're prepared to 
uncross your fingers and open your eyes, then we go into a deeper series of, of conversations. And it's a very informal practice of questions and answers, discovery. It's mm. when you are really prepared to discover for yourself from first principles. And then over time, people get to see things they didn't see before. So their awareness about how they had perceived, for example, money or what's important to them may change. And so are there some common things that, that align with clients on a, a, a bias basis or a behavior basis that you, you see often? Yes, some of them, absolutely. So what we do at work and when we get overwhelmed or overloaded, that's a good place to start mm. because currently there seems to be a swing <laughs> between presenteeism and absenteeism you know, in a work context. There are some people who are just turning up and doing the things they do and don't necessarily have their most strategic or concerned about what they want. They may not have considered what they want for a long time. And that can bring its own set of feelings of ineffectiveness or questions for themselves, confusion perhaps. Mm. But then there's the other side where you care so much about the people that you work with or the cause that you work with or the, the ideal for example, I live in Canberra, so of course I work, have worked in the public sector and there are many people who do that. And they work largely, this is a belief of mine, in the public interest mm. for the public service, the serving, serving of the public. But along the way you can have all sorts of things that get in the way of that. <laughs> Different team members you, you know, who you get on with or you don't get on with or things that shake up the structure of the organisation that happens that you you may not understand or perhaps resist. And there's another R word that is the resistance of what we are dealing with is a route to, again, closing your eyes and crossing your fingers and going, well, I'm just going to jump over here. But instead... I recommend having a, a careful think about what we care about because we only act potentially around the things that we really care about. What do we want to, to protect or nurture or look after in our lives? And the other thing that I, I like to really work through with people is how do they see themselves in terms of the choices they're making? Have they thought that through? If I were to ask you a question, which I may or may not right now, but some of the questions might be like, what's your relationship with your future? Yeah, I love that question, Anna, and I'm thinking how I would answer that because I'm like, oh, how do, how do you answer that that question? What comes up? And I guess... I see a few different things, be that be it in my professional life, be it in my personal life, be it in my lived experiences that, that come up straight away. And so, uh, but I'm, I'm a very goals driven person. So when people sort of say that, that future stuff, it's often the things that thing that pulls me ahead if uh, in action and, and behavior. So you, you were talking about resistance. And again, I felt a bit of resistance there as well. I was like, oh, how do I answer that question? Are there common blocks or like biases, behaviors for people that, that lead them to, to come and do work with you or in, in the workshops that you run and things like that that you see? Yes, the sort of the burnout question, which is having too much of what you care about and insufficient care inward. That's certainly something that I'm increasingly alarmed about in the current environment of culture that we are mm. because 
presenteeism, like turning up and, and not necessarily putting your whole care into work is one end of that. But there's also widespread confusion right now. You know, like where are we? What's happened to the world since COVID? What is there to deal with now? What is it that's important to us right now? And not knowing perhaps or not feeling equipped to answer some of those questions can lead to people feeling disempowered. Mm -hmm. People may not know how to speak up for themselves or to express what they really want, their real yeses and their real noes, so that they kind of become a shadow of themselves through their lives. You know, I'm very, very well experienced with dealing with confusion, anxiety, doubt, lack of confidence, and that, that's my flavour sometimes. But there are also the opposites of those. So, you know, being overly didactic or prescriptive about how things should be, you know, can result in its own form of powerlessness by exerting yourself too much in the this is what I think this is what should happen this is what is the right way and not necessarily being open or humble epistemic humble looking afresh the sort of beginner's mind Mm. especially when it comes to financial planning like and again I, I try and avoid that in my approach with clients but often financial planners are seen in that context of Right, we need goals and all our, again, I love all our professional standards people and keeping us on, on the compliant path with the work that we do, but they're often about goals. And we've, we've done an episode in the podcast before as well around how loaded goals can be as a, as a topic. So I think, yeah, some of those, those things that can actually cause people to, to stop and go, actually, I can't, I can't move because of the inability to, I guess, understand where that's, that's coming from. Anything else, Anna, I guess, in, in regards to, the work you do, some of the, the, the success, I guess, stories, the things that, that you'd celebrate, all the, the ways that people can, they've discovered the bias, they've, they've unpacked, they've, they've sat with, they've realised that it, it exists and then they go, okay, I, this isn't serving me anymore and I want to move in a different direction or adjust how I uh, perceive life or how I behave or act in, in life. What are some ways that I guess people can make sure that they stay on that path rather than falling back into the old behaviours again, because I imagine that it would be quite easy as human beings to fall back into that safe and comfortable behaviour that we've we've already, always had. Yes, and, and the word safe is a really interesting one there because as soon as you bring up safety, game over because we act almost reflexively, reactively to protect, to, you know, to make sure that never happens again. So... I think there is not one bias. Let me just start with that. You know, we start with mm. the bias. Well, that's today's bias. You know, it can quickly become tomorrow's problem if we we swing from one thing to another to another. But staying on the path is, I would suggest, a reflective practice. So having a way to both connect with yourself, you know, that's the mindfulness but I'm not actually a mindfulness advocate in this sense. I'm more interested in discovering yourself. And that can take questions and answers and a, a life of examination of, you know, who we are and how we are together. So conversations with people. Of course, I'm a coach, so that's something I do ordinarily. But 
what I've discovered is the joy that comes with reading and reflecting more widely. I picked up a book on the weekend that I bought because I thought this is someone whom I really don't like. I don't want to read this and started reading it <laughs> and discovered how wrong I was not to want to read it. You know, like, you know, being open to examine your opinions, your beliefs, how you relate to yourself in the world and how we, you know, what we think of as the truth or what we what is right or true about the world. I think continuing to question and reflect collectively about that does give rise to a whole heap of shared experience that is so fulfilling. So it's a question for me of getting yourself kind of out of the way by having a look at, for example, money, you know, enough, not enough, even that's a question that you can get trapped in. Am I enough? Have I got enough? Well, yes, but mainly no. When you're happy with the mainly no part, then you've got more freedom. <laughs> you can choose, mm. can choose to act and not act or choose to be a, a certain way and not another way. GAT gives you some some freedom and and power because, you know, you get to show up how you want to show up. You know, goals are one way. I like to think of goals as games and take out the, you know, the striving and the wanting and the, you know, the achievement of them because they can get very serious and very another kind of rule. <laughs> but it's, it's that dance between the structure and the, the achievement and what works and, and going ahead and then letting it all go and creating another part of your life that you get to create and then fulfil on that, more like a game, yeah. Mm, I love that analogy and I think from from what you've said it's really that journey of self-discovery and I think that's an ongoing journey that we all get for people who go down that path are, are able to enjoy and tweak and understand and go oh wow that's interesting that's curious I, I never realized that about myself but really unpacking where we sit and then probably finding the the comfort in the dis discomfort if I'm hearing you correctly there in in regards to things that might come up that you say hey I don't want to do this or no I'm, I, I don't want to read this book or I don't want to do this thing around money but actually starting to build up the the comfort in the in the discomfort what does it mean to study being well the study of being may not be, that's a philosophy. That's what essentially philosophy yeah. is, the study of being. And, you know, the Greeks, you can ask them about that. But the lived reality, the lived experience or phenomenology of one's own life in the context of, uh, of how we are being, that's a worthwhile discussion to have. And I'm always interested in, I've got new ideas every day, but one of the latest is an ontological book club. Who wants to join something that where we really talk about how, what we're reading and how we can think more from a central self, more from you know, a kind of more wiser space. But it could be being a contribution at your work and recognising what it costs you if you're, if you're being angry and frustrated all the time. You know, so those things, they, they seem like they're, you know, one's airy-fairy and esoteric and one's like practical and actually really looking, but they're both forms of discovery. Mm. And I imagine the, uh, especially if, depending on what side of the uh, coin you are with that behaviour, 
you may not even be aware that that's how you come across at, at work. Yeah, I'll finish on that because, like, the, the awareness that you begin to learn right from early and the rules that you put in place for yourself or the webs of perception, the narrative that we tell ourselves, when it's not necessarily the case, revisiting that can lead one to examine this the idea of the leader within ourselves. So I think it was... George, who said it's no, it's it's your moment, it's it's your life. He called it civilization. Well, let's have a think about how we are in that as a collective, and developing the leader within starts with awareness. Yeah, and there's probably another whole uh, podcast episode just in in that one. And um, yeah, for those listening, we we interviewed George Kinder in season one, so go and check out that uh, that episode. It's some interesting insights I think that George has when it comes to life and and money and meaning. Anna, look, it's been great to have you on today. Thank you so much. I'll put your contact details and some of those resources in the show notes as well. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We hope you've enjoyed the episode and the conversation. And if you have, please give us a rating of where you are listening, and we will see you next time. Bye.